The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. That's right. I got that DNA. I got that real running back DNA. We getting ready to talk to is Rashawn Jackson. I'm on 93.7 The Ticket. We're on the captain's show. I am with a guy who ran for 8,000. This is just Green Bay Packers franchise record. 8,322 yards. Lambeau Field, 4,500 yards. In the season, 1,883 yards. Let's go just overall stats. 148 games, 96 yards per game, per career. That's all games, okay? 2,056 carries, 9,205 yards, 13,722 all-purpose yards, 60 touchdowns, 74 touchdowns total, four Pro Bowls. If we talk Nebraska, 574 attempts. 3,880 yards, 6.8 yards a carry, 4,180 all-purpose yards, 45 touchdowns overall. I'm not done, but welcome, Amon Green. What's up, BJ? They gave you a show now? Man, (laughs) what was they thinking? Oh, my God, I don't know. I don't think they, they did their research. You know, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I, what was they uh, thinking, AG? Yeah, they. And you about to change the world. That's all I know. Oh, That's what you about to do. I'm trying to, man. Right. 
One one Husker at it. a time, man. I I I I think you know I've had a former Husker on for now for fourteen days in a row, right? Right. And you got to do it that way. There's no other way to do it, though. Bro, I got so many more in the clip. It's pathetic. I got right. a lot. Oh, I got a lot, man. I mean, I could talk to you probably for two weeks. Oh man, my God, yeah, a long time. You know what I'm saying? Just on <laughs> stuff that. You know, just you're doing, I'm doing football, all of that type stuff, right? Correct. So I'm gonna start off real quick, AG, because I want to get into it. Is Batman versus Superman? Who really wins that? Well, we kind of we saw it not too long ago in Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, and if it wasn't for Lois Lane letting Batman know that. He was yelling out for his mom. Martha is my mother. If she never said that, Batman would have won. He would have thrown that uh, kryptonite spear in the Batman's chest. So just just putting it out there, you know, it was about to be over. So well, that means Batman had the upper hand, basically. I'm a Superman I'm just guy. Saying. I'm a Superman guy. Just, so. Superman ain't supposed to be able to die. It, but but like I said, Batman. I mean. You know, Batman is the greatest detective, and he also know he know he's the greatest weakness of the Justice League because he's the only human. Okay, mm. so he knows that. So he's done his homework on everybody: Aquaman, Superman, Wonder Woman, um, the Flash, everybody, and knows their weaknesses. And so he said he has a a folder. He has a cabinet in the Batcave that basically is titled uh, Doomsday Plan. So basically, if it goes south, where everybody that has a superpower is manipulated into doing evil, he knows how to end them, basically. And everybody knows how to kill Superman, you know. Right. He's get some kryptonite. And so he manufactured a spear and actual aerosol to weaken him and slow him down to beat him up in that fight, if you remember. And right at the end, he was about to shove that that uh, spear, that kryptonite tip spear in his chest. But Lawrence Lane said, he's saying Martha, his mother, and that's the same Name as Batman's mother who got killed in the in the um, death in the crime alley way back when when he was a kid. So you know it's full circle. But just so you know, Batman would have won. Okay, so, I, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not. I first. got my Superman hat on. I could have wore my <laughs> Batman hat, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start out with that. Now, how long you been right. a Batman fan, and why? Oh man, it's been since probably eight years old. And it started with the old syndication of Adam West, Burt Ward. Yes, that one. All the crazy, yes, the, all the crazy <laughs> little uh, colorful words on the screen. Boom, bam, ding, dong, right. ding. All the crazy world, all the the the, the corny one-liners, you know, from from Robin, from Burt Ward's character, or from the Joker or the Riddler. What was some uh, of Robin's? The Joker. Was that what was some of Robin's? Oh, Robin was a uh, holy rusted metal Batman. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. Stuff that we wouldn't say in the locker room. Just put it like that. Because you know you get you get clowned out the locker room back holy then in our locker room. Batman. For sure. You'd be like, what you just say, bro? You need to get up out of here with that. But that's what started me. It was watching those old syndicated 60 uh, TV series. And then it went into... 1989, um, Tim Burton, movie directed by uh, yeah, movie directed by Tim Burton, Kim Basinger, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Prince did the soundtrack, won an Oscar. Um, Batman. When that came to the theater, I went. I was 12. I went to the movie theater solo. None of my friends wanted to kick it with me, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going anyway. 
Batman rolls solo anyway. So I go to movie theater. Mommy, my mom drops me off. This is in, I was living in Cali at the time. So we go to the, at that time, it was just the, um, uh, I can't think of the theater name, but now it's called the Magic Johnson Theater. So it's that theater that is once was an old theater that a lot of kids that my age went to and, you know, have fun to go to. But we went to that theater, dropped me off, and I went to see Batman. And just that movie kind of was the icing on the cake. I said, I'm a Batman fan for life. And as I grew up, obviously, I learned about other superheroes, you know, I said particularly Black Panther, and then that became my my other one. And for so I was like, okay, I got DC, I got Batman, and Marvel, I got Black Panther. Here we go. So, but that's that's how long it's been in in my life. And even then, on campus, that was something I just kind of kept to myself. But in in the back of my head, I always had that little my my alter ego of uh, Bruce Wayne Batman you know running through you know practice doing my thing focusing on my job you, 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 getting using, you know as a true freshman stuff like that using all the tools in your utility belt exactly you, you know, know the I did balance that. the vision you know? the patience the three step cutting making people miss yep. running people over not running out of bounds yep. we no, going to get into that not later. running out of bounds and not hitting nobody that's that was the the point right <laughs> that uh I remember Coach Soda said that we're watching film and it was unfortunate. It was Steve Raymond that he grilled on. He went in on because he ran out of bounds and Steve wasn't a small back. He was a big back. If you mm-hmm. remember Steve, mm-hmm. uh, VJ, oh, and yeah. he was at least 220 on the low end and maybe 235, 240. He was a big kid running back just like myself. And he ran out of bounds in practice without hitting nobody. And coach Frank Solich, I mean, teared into him. he, Stopped the film, said, don't you ever, basically, I'll, in the, I'll say it shortly, and I'll say it PG, um, sh- just don't ever run out of bounds without hitting somebody in your life again while you play for this team. Ooh. I'm like, and I'm a freshman, LP's in there, CC's, Clint Child, Damon Benny, all of us, Jay Sims, we're all in there, and we're just sitting there looking like, at each other like, we know what that means. You better be about that life. <laughs> you Period. better be about hitting people. Um so from that point on, I knew right away. I'm like, yeah, this is the place I, I, I want it to be. Now I know why I want to be here because this is physical football at its finest. And physical football at that time, we won we won games doing that style of football and uh, playing hard for each other and uh, playing hard for the coaching staff as well. How how important was having a fullback in there when you played? For, for what I learned, being a running back in the offense at that time, that was obviously priority number one for me is follow the fullback and read his blocks, read his, you know, what he's setting me up to try to get me down the field for. And obviously that was in at Omaha North at Omaha central. And then once I got to Lincoln, it was pretty much by that time, I already had it understood completely. So the, the, the only difference between my fullbacks, obviously from high school and to college is what's obviously they were bigger. Um, and they were this, very intelligent, knew how to set up blocks, knew how to do a cut block really very well, just a pa- or a pancake block on top of that. Just take a guy and drive him in the ground. We have both. Uh, I have. I was able to run behind both Macavica brothers, Jeff and Joel. Macavica, great friends, great teammates. Um, Brian Schuster, a little bit. Ben Kingston, you know, those guys were in front of me, and I was just helping them, you know, make their job easier. To make sure that I'm right there at the point of contact. So then, as soon as they block somebody, boom, I'm right past them to the next level. Was Corey still there, 95? No, I missed Corey by a year in terms of being a teammate. But okay. I was there for my visits. He was there, talked to him, no neck. And I wish I had him. <laughs> I, I wish know, I man. had him 
but I had a, I, I was still blessed. Like I said, Jeff, Joe McAvicka, Brian Schuster, Ben, Kings, ben Kingston, uh, Jeff uh, Euler, or um, Todd, um, Todd Euler. Todd, 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 Todd Euler. Yep. Just those guys right there was plenty. But uh, I once I got to, I say, fast forward just a few years, once I got to Green Bay, it was funny when I got to Green Bay, guys on specials going into the special teams meeting, the week we played Detroit, everybody's asking me, hey, how can we stop Schuster <laughs> or Schlesinger? How can we stop Schlesinger? Yeah. I'm like, you can't. I said, bruh, that's a, it's a, that's a grown man coming downhill. He is doing his job. Everybody in the whole special teams meeting room, even guys that didn't have to block him were worried about him. I'm like, I said, look, he's one of those guys. He's like me. We work hard. We don't care who's in front of us, and we fear nobody on that football field. So you just got to figure out how you're going to stop him. I said, I really can't tell you. How are you going to stop him? Just right. Be I just say this: be ready to play with him for four quarters because he's going to come four quarters, a hundred percent speed down the field and trying to knock you out. Period. And if he's not even trying to, he will if you're not ready. Oh <laughs> who was your? And this, and this is from the Sider Haven text line. Who was your favorite person that played Batman? Oh well, no, it was uh, easy. It was uh, from the from the big screen. It was. Uh, Michael Keaton, because okay. like I said earlier, that movie just did it for me as a kid, being a comic book fan, finding out that I'm a comic book fan, finding out that I'm a superhero fan, and just seeing that he had all the cool gidgets and gizmos. Then also I figured out, like I mentioned, he didn't have no superpower, and he still was fighting crime. He would get beat up, he would get his butt kicked, but he would figure out a way to win or a way to help whoever he needs to help. And that's what I like about Batman basically nice so listen it's it's the ticket that's 93.7 i'm talking to amon green one of the greatest backs top top three back in the history of nebraska football when we get back we want to talk a little bit about what it was like to play with the great brett Favre. all your questions and more when we get back 93.7 the ticket back with Vershawn jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. I won't deny you, I'm a straight rider. You don't want to be a Got the police watching that. Yeah, Nick, got that Tupac bumping. It's VJ. We're on the Captain Show, 93.7, the ticket. We're talking with the great Amon Green. A.G., how was it playing with Brett Favre? Oh, man, it was uh, it was fun. I'll say that. And then, obviously, the uh, on the field, you know, getting in that huddle for the first time after my trade, in uh, the summer of 2000, or going into the summer of 2000, my first mini camp was the May mini camp. And getting in that huddle for the first time, it hit me then that these guys were just in a Super Bowl not too long ago, a Super Bowl that we watched on campus um, in 1996 when they beat the New England Patriots. And so I knew most of that huddle. I knew Brett. I knew of Donald. I knew of Antonio Freeman. And then the offensive line was Frank Winters, Marco Rivera, at that time Ross Verba. 
Mike Wall also rotated in, and then Chad Clifton and Mark Tauscher, they got drafted the same year I got traded there. So just seeing those guys that were on those Super Bowl teams, Leroy Brunner looking across the ball, Gilbert Brown, Santana Johnson, Ty, Ty Will, that was there, you know, in 96, but also was my freshman year at Nebraska with both of us. Um, those guys being on that team, it's like, all right, now I got to come here just like I came into Lincoln as a freshman. I got to bring my A game and I got to play on top of my game because they expect me, obviously, to back up Darcy Leffens. But also when I when I'm on the field, when he goes off, that they want they don't want no game level of gameplay to drop. They want it to be at a high level to make sure we stay competitive in the run game and helping out the pass game as well. So that was my mindset playing with him and. It was just, you know, then he he showed that leadership that I, I knew that was a part of him because of what I've seen on TV up until that time. I mean, he would make it light in the huddle or he'll he'll get into digging into you if you mess up or even knowing the time we have to strap it in and like, look, we guys, we got to get down this floor. We got to get the ball in the, into the field goal range or we got to get this ball in the end zone. Saying no, having those moments of leadership where it's all about respect and it's all about everybody doing their job to make sure we win. Do you still own the records for most yards by a back? At Green uh, Bay? Ru- rushing or receiving? Rushing. It just I says say mo- most yards in the, in the season. Yeah, I would say in the season, yes. I still have it, the 1830, 1883. Yeah. I still have that. And then I know for a game, it depends on playoff game, regular season game. I think regular season game, I still have it. Playoff game, I think Ryan Grant got it in 07. Um, when he had a big game in the NFC Championship game against, or a playoff game against the Seahawks, I think it was like two oh six. But for regular season games, I believe I do. Yeah, I think and then receiving as well, I, I've have I still have a few of them. So, I think yeah, you know, I, it, I Ag, I, I, seriously, man, I was going through. You remember the last conversation me and you had when we did the uh, Letterman's deal? But Correct. I was going through and just you know I always try to do a little, a, 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 my, my my homework on whoever I'm interviewing. And I thought I knew so much about you, and I figured out I knew very little. (laughs) Because Uh, your bill of work, and we talked about top five running backs all time, right? And I began to think to myself when I start looking, if we talked top five Husker back all time when you became a professional player, meaning – you got paid to play. You know, Nebraska, we got right. paid to play because they were paying for our schooling, right? Correct. If you, if you go from that point for your entire career, when I think back and I say, well, wait a minute, a mom would play for, what, 12 seasons, 10 seasons in the league? 12. 12 seasons 12. in the league, right? And I say, okay, you played 148 games. 9,205 total yards and, that, and, that, and all that stuff that I said before, four Pro Bowls. Bruh, you the number one guy. <laughs> I did not I did not realize how – listen, when we came out and went to Seattle, right? Yeah, we were there together, man. That was, that was awesome, actually. I, I, I had fun. I love that. And then, obviously, disappointment at the end of training camp. I was like, no. We both were like, no. Yeah, because I thought last, I was going to make it. Literally, the last-minute phone call, yeah. it was like 3.30. And it was like, okay, we good. You're good. We both good. And then it rained. We yeah, like, we no was roommates way. at that time. Come on. <laughs> In Seattle. So, and, and here's the deal. It, 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 a lot of people don't know the NFL means not for long for some people, right? 
But Correct. I, I'm at Seattle. I'm doing well. And this just goes to show you how much you have to focus, okay? I'm doing well, but I'm running with the Ricky Waters. I'm running with all these guys that got millions of dollars, and I'm, I don't got nothing. And instead of me being focused, and I, I don't know if you remember Todd Peterson, right? Yeah, I remember Todd, Todd Peterson. Todd Peterson came yeah, to me. because Seahawks at that time. Yes. Todd Peterson came to me right after the GM came to me and said, hey, Rashawn, you're doing well. You're going to make it, blah, blah, blah. He pumped my head up. You know, then then all of a sudden it went to my head. I'm thinking I'm this, I'm that. And Todd Peterson said this to me. He said, watch the company you keep. And I kept asking him, what are you talking about? Why do you keep saying that? And then right. it dawned on me later on in life. I might have been 30-something years old. It dawned on me. Uh, he meant you can't hang with everybody. You can't Correct. do the same things everybody else are doing. You don't get paid the same way that they do. And it's only Correct. 53 jobs. The job that I got, you, we end up keeping, they end up keeping four running backs. Michael Black from the University yep. of Washington, Washington State. State. Yes. And 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 they <laughs> said, well, or Erickson was like, yeah, but we want to keep so so this many running backs because we don't know and blah, blah, blah. So we got to let you go. And that was fine because I, I learned from that. Mm-hmm. But. Speak to how many players came and went during your 12-year career. Ooh, I mean, I would say it's a lot. I mean, I don't know the exact number. I'm, you know, with that, that's a great question. So I'm going to research that. So next next interview, I got that answer okay. to that. Okay. But I would just say it was at least for being a Seahawk for those two years, being a Packer for eight years, and being a Texan for two years, it was on average two new running backs in the room every year and then then two to three out the room by the end of training camp every year for 12 years. So just do the math. So just say two players for 12 years will come in and eventually two will go out Four total after every training camp in a six week time span of training camp and the regular season starting. And that's in the room. 2009. In the room, in the running backs room. We're not talking. Just in the running backs room. I'm not just talking. I'm not talking about wide receivers, defensive backs, D lineman, O lineman, quarterback. I'm just talking about running backs. What's the what was the <laughs> secret, Amon? What's the secret to being able to play 12 years in the pros? Um, I mean, one is kind of what Todd Peterson mentioned to you: the company, the company you keep. You, you keep, you know, who is in your immediate circle of people, and that is that includes family members, that includes uh, best friends or friends, male or female, um, that actually have that same mindset as you. You know, they want to be successful at what they're doing. They want, or they want to support you at what you're doing to be successful. So you got to have the, that's the mindset. And I learned that mindset from my mother and my stepfather, Edward Scott, um, you know, and I'm a product also of David Green, David Eugene Green. So being that those three people that were in my life, along with my brothers, Jerry, Nikki, Paul, uh, Tasha, Paul as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then my dad's side of the family, um, brothers and sisters, David Hill, Tangi, um, Sharita, Michael, those people were in my life, Sharon, my stepmom, those people basically molded me into the person I became and I'm the person I am now. And as a foot and as an athlete, my brothers, my dad, my stepdad, coaches, they nailed into my head early in my life was between the company you keep and then find where you want to go for next. So I knew at a young age I wanted to be a professional athlete. I was going to, I wanted to be a football player or a baseball player. I remember writing that on the board when I was in fourth grade at 42nd Elementary School in Los Angeles, California. 
And my school teacher kind of threw a little hate on it. You know, she's like, no, that's too tough. You're not going to make it to that, mm-hmm. you know, be a football player or and a baseball player. And I'm like, I just looked at her and I was like, what is as I grew up? And then I was fortunate enough. I have pretty good coaches all around from Little League Baseball to Little League Football, Little League Basketball, track and so on and so forth. And I listened. I paid attention to the things they would tell me. So obviously one was keeping the, you know, the company, you keep the people around you. So I made sure every friend that I had beyond my family, they were on the same path as me. I surrounded myself with other athletes or other people that wanted to go to college, that wanted to stay out of trouble, that wanted to have good grades, that wanted to be on a roll. That's who I hung out around with, you know? And, and so from the popularity standpoint, I wasn't worried about being popular with my high school friends or my junior high friends. I just wanted to make sure I had A's and B's, you know, a 3.0, not in trouble with the school, not in trouble at home with my mom and dad, not in trouble in the streets either. And then obviously excel at my sports. So when I was playing football, when it was football season, I'm doing my best there. When it was going into powerlifting season in the the off season or tracks, you know, playing basketball. But any sport that I did, I make sure I excelled at it. I pushed myself motivating myself and also help motivate my teammates at the same time. So it was a combination of all that. And, and the things as a high school kid that I really just focused on, period, was basically my good grades, keeping my GPA up, making sure I was eligible for all my sports, and then obviously getting ready to take the, the scholastic testing, the ACT, the SAT, make sure I studied up um, and got ready for those. Because I knew, obviously, that was part of the path that we all took as, as athletes it don't matter, men, women, girls, boys, no matter what sport you want to go to college football, college baseball, college basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, whatever you want to do at that time, you got to make sure you you know how to take these tests and know how to pass them. Right. So, AG, um, hold that thought. Yep. I got to go to a break real quick. When right. I get back from the break, you race Joey Galloway. A lot of people don't know <laughs> Joey Galloway was allegedly the fastest guy in the league on, on paper and probably by number. So when we get back, we'll talk about that and more on The Ticket, 93.7. This is 93.7 The Ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion, Vershawn Jackson. Oh, I got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn, he'll get it to the 24-yard line. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Ah, yeah! And I'm back. It's the captain, the ticket, 93.7. Candid conversation with my guy, my little bro in the faith, Amon Green. Um, I, I'm waiting for a little bit because I, I want to hear this Joey Galloway story before we get into Nebraska football because that's a whole nother <laughs> well of a wealth and well of stuff to talk about. Tell yeah. us about the whole Joey Galloway and you race. Oh, man. Um, it was something that obviously the players in the locker room, Ricky, a few other guys were hyping up Mike St. Clair. Like me, you know me, I'm quiet. I ain't saying nothing. And obviously all they're talking gets in Joey's head. Um, and the day we were had to retest, because uh, I know, well, it might have been, I know, I'm not, rookie year, I, I vaguely remember this. 
um, what happened. It was, a, it was know, a rookie year. For the second year, what's that? It, I thought it happened your rookie year. I was there when y'all raced. I can't remember. Well, I might have blacked well, out. Let me refresh I blacked out. You beat him. Okay. And we okay. went crazy. <laughs> because it was a race. Uh, it wasn't like it, it wasn't for time. It wasn't for none of that. It was like, wait a minute. A migraine is 225 pounds. Joey Galloway is probably a buck 85. Maybe. maybe. With a size 13 and a half. Yeah. Foot. And <laughs> you absolutely positively – are you, I mean, not that you blew him out, but you won. So for all of us, right. we were shocked and appalled. Not me, per se, because I'm like, I watched you run when we ran for the scouts. And when you took yeah. off, it sounded like you had just ripped up the turf and cook. Right. And I'm like, what just took place? So, And I just told that story to people on another show a couple weeks ago at my pro day. And that day, what was there, about 17 NFL scouts there? Oh, it was a lot. If you remember? Yep. It was a lot. I remember uh, Mike Halstead, the head coach at that time for the Miami Dolphins. Probably more there. than that, though, A.G., because you got to right. think we still had – you had you had Grant. You, you had, had Jay Foreman. Yeah, you, you had, had Grant, Christian. J. Or Grant, Jason. Yep. Warfield in there. In there. Out, I remember. Who else? Let's see. I don't know. It was it was, a, it was Brown, a couple of more that was maybe in there. Mike Brown worked out. No, Mike Brown he left after us. No, he was a junior. He was young. He was yeah. a sophomore, so he couldn't. Yeah, but I just thought, you know what I mean? When when I heard that, I it, it just it sounded like a plane taking off, man. And I don't know if right. people truly understand how big you were, but how fast you were. Where'd you get that speed from? Where'd that come from? That came. That part of it came, Glenda. Glenda Ross and David Eugene Green, right there. Um, my two parents. They, between both of them, they were both uh, high school athletes um, as kids, as teenagers. And my dad just had an extra. He just had something special within him. He was a sprint champion, um, and the four at that time it was in yards. It was the four forty, the two twenty. He was the four. Not well, not only was he the four by one anchor uh, for Tech and I believe Central, but Tech for sure. Uh, he was also the four by four anchor. Well, yeah, so your dad I ran with my uncle on that right. four by one. And so, obviously, you know, we didn't. I didn't grow up around him a lot of the time. But I, once I got back to Omaha, I learned about him. You know, through my my family and my stepmom Sharon. And recently, like you know, he, as he passed away, I, my stepmom gave me his like. She kept a scrapbook for him. And when I went through the scrapbook, VJ, and I'm sitting there looking like this, like looking at this, it's like. Dude, my dog, my my dad was a beast. Like he was a, a special in terms of at his athletic ability. He was special. So now I understand the things I did, how I could do them, and why I did them. Mm. And so, not only was I blessed physically because of my parents, I had an extra drive in me. You know, as I said, I learned as a kid how to how to do the things I need to do to become successful later in life. So not only did I have this athletic special talent that. So when you when you see kids and we've been around them, BJ, on our team, in our neighborhoods in Omaha, Nebraska, that we we got guys and we know girls that they don't even have to touch a weight, they don't have to train, they just got it. They could jump off the gym, they are, they could run faster than a lot of people you know, and they could just do things. And my dad was one of those, and so now I had that along with the brain and the mindset behind it of understanding what I need to do to get to the tip top, basically, and knowing how to get there. And make sure I'm I'm on my P's and Q's pretty much. And so, 
with that combination. Like only thing I I wish I could have done to basically be just like almost like identical to my dad in terms of being an athlete was one the 400. That was the only event I didn't run in track. I didn't run the 400. I hated it. I was scared. I was scared of it more than anything. If I was scared of anything was running the 400 because I knew that was a full-on sprint. You knew that gorilla was going to get on you about the 300 mark. I didn't believe I I could make it around the track in the whole sprint. (laughs) Right. That gorilla, we had to run the 4x4. You know, uh, rest in peace, Jimmy Smith, man. When when we ran for him, when I ran for him, you were in the 4x1, 100, 200, but everybody that was the fastest four in 100 was going to double as the 4x4. If you were on 4x1, you're going to be 4x4. And that was a brutal, brutal, brutal race. Amon, when you came to Nebraska, there was such an uproar. Because you, you started at North. Yeah. Then you went to Central. But there was such an uproar that we heard about this all the way in Lincoln. What's this? Well, about Amon, uh, this kid named Amon Green, um, how good he was. What he was, you know, they were already comparing you to a certain Lawrence Phillips at the time. And, right. you know, because we were already in school two years. You know what I'm saying? So right. the 93 year would have been the year you would have been at North, right? Uh, no. Uh, 92? Yeah. Oh, no. 91, 91, 92. I was at North. 93, 94. I was at Central. Central. Okay. 93, I was, that was my first year at Central. Okay. Okay. So it was an uproar about that. 92, 93. Because. I think uh, when I lost to – who was the running back that you took over for after he left? The little guy. Uh, it was – no, it was me and Damian. We, yeah, so Morrow. We basically shared the starting job at Central. Okay, correct. The year before, though, he had led the state because I got second. He led the state in rushing. but Yeah, he did. Yeah, but going to – okay, so you, you, we're hearing all this grumble, 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 grumble. When you became a senior at IVAC U, which is Central, what – give me what that was like and how did your career go it, there? Well, once I got there, it was an interesting story. It just – I knew Damien. Um, I knew of Damien. And I knew that this guy led the state as a sophomore with 1,800 yards rushing. So, in my head, it's like I'm not going to see the field. And I was just thinking as a little kid, you know, as a 16-year-old, you know, oh, man, I'm not going to do this. And so, obviously, um, with me transferring to Central, we had to move into the, the school district of Central High School. So, we did. And the day we moved, I got done moving my um, moving all my stuff in my room. And I kind of sat on uh, – I had a chair. I sat on the chair and kind of put my head down. It was like, oh, woe is me moment. My dad comes in. My stepdad comes in. And he said, boy, what's wrong with you? I said, dad, tomorrow, you know, I got to start two a days. And I don't know where I'm going to be. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be running back, linebacker, or whatever, because of Damien. I know Damien's going to be the start running back right away. I say that's that's not a no-brainer to me um, because of what he did last year. And he's like, well, how long you been playing football? I was like, since I was six, and I'm 16, so 10 years. He said, exactly. He said, uh, what positions have you played? I was like, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, one, eight, one year, linebacker, defensive line one year. He's like, exactly. So you're a football player. He's like, don't worry about it. He said, it'll work out. You'll find a spot. If it's not running back, you'll play somewhere. You'll start. Don't worry about it. And that's what I And it kind of just settled me down. And then the next day, I met Damian. I met Andy Thompson. I met John O'Bradford. I met Matt Johnson, Donnie Johnson, all them guys that was there with me. And it 
there's a lot of names I'm forgetting right now. Um, but meeting those guys right away, we became best friends from the moment we met. And then me and Damien, it was just a matter of fact that, oh, you know what? I got your back. You got mine. Um, and we did it at like a track season. We made a joke about it. Let's do this like track. We'll, you know, hand the baton off when we come off the field. Like, your turn, stick, you know, go get it. And so we would compete against each other. All right, I just rushed for a touchdown, an 80-yard touchdown. Now you got to go match that, Damien, or vice versa. I'm on AG. I just did a 50-yard run. Now you got to go beat that. I'm like, so we would do that amongst each other as teammates to push each other. And that's why, like, we had probably the most diabolical run game in Omaha at that time in those two years. People were, were, did not want to see us. If we had a pass game and, and better defense, we would have, we probably want to want to stay easy with the team that, with the offensive side of the ball, the way we ran the ball and uh, the guys that we had offensive line wise. We would have, we would have probably pushed it to the, to the playoffs and through the playoffs. Well, yeah. So that was kind of my two years and how they went. Then, you know, so, so, we're so best when friends you... to this day. Me and Damien still best friends to this day. I'm godfather to his son. Nice. And, and his son is nice to too in so. football. He's got a son that's nice. I went and watched him. I coached Little League football last year, and I went and watched his son. His son is a monster out there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so who all recruited you? And who? how did you land at Nebraska? Um. Well, the schools that I say I narrowed it down to, because everybody was recruiting me, literally. Um, I'm not being you know big-headed. I'm not being cocky. I'm just saying everybody. I couldn't believe it either myself that Alabama, Texas, Washington, the Huskies, uh, Syracuse, the U, um, Alabama, Georgia. And so I narrowed down that list down to Nebraska, Arizona, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Penn State. Schools that I knew that ran the ball and that could help me get to the NFL because being teams that they were at that time, top 10 teams, top 25 teams. And they, you know, and I wanted to win a national title along with get my college degree. So that was my list of teams. And for every school, um, who recruited me in Nebraska? It was Coach Osborne, pretty much. Um, Notre yeah, Dame. Did, yeah, but, but wait, I don't even wait, come on. Remember, how did like, you? The actual person who recruited me at Notre Dame, but they, they recruited me, and I, I met Lou Holtz once I got to campus on my visit. I know, but how did you? How did you? How did you narrow it down to where you said, "Okay, I'm going to Nebraska. I'm not going there. I'm not going there." How did you eliminate the other schools and make the decision to? Real easy. Yeah, real easy. So. My, my mom actually made the decision for herself because Tom Osborne was the only head coach out of all those teams that visited us at, a, at our, you know, at our home. And you got to think about it, He's only 50 miles away. So I'm like, mom, you know, he's right down the street. It's not like Lou Holtz and Joe Paterno at that time. And uh, Arizona, Dick told me, you know, they, they got to jump on a flight, you know. I mean, but my mom's like, look, you're the number one recruit, right? At running back, right? For them. Um, I got to see a head coach. So my mom was like, you going to Nebraska? And I said, Mom, I gotta take a few more visits. I gotta, you know, I gotta kick the tires for everybody. Um, and so, but yeah, when it boiled down to the end, it was kind of that. And then a special moment happened for me during the time you guys were in Miami, beating the the Hurricanes for the national title. Um, my dad, my stepdad, went into he had a he had a small seizure, he had a small heart attack, and he actually so he survived. He was at uh, at uh was in uh, Nebraska Medical Center. And so that right there, I met my mom. She called me, said, meet us at the hospital. I did. So it was me, my brother, sister, them, Tasha, Nikki, Jerry, we're all there in the family room waiting. And we watched the rest of the game of you guys winning. And that right there was like, I'm coming to Nebraska because I want to be at home in moments like this just in case something happens family-wise that 
but I don't want to miss out. I mean, I have to jump on an airplane or whatever. I don't want to be worried about my family, my mom, my dad, brothers and sisters, if something goes on. So I'm like, I'm coming to Nebraska. So that was kind of it for me between obviously my dad having that moment and but then you guys doing your job down in Miami. That was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a Husker for life right now. So that's what made my decision. So you get to Nebraska. The running back room is filled with not only backs from Omaha, but backs from all over the place. And you got Lawrence Phillips staring in your face. Um, you're on the best team in the country. What's Amon Green's mindset walking into that running back room? Hey, I'm just – I want to help this team win any, any possible way I can. That's it. Um, I know who the starters are. It's between, you know, Lawrence Phillips, Clinton Challenge, Damon Benny. I'm going to be their backup. I'm going to do what I need to do to be a part of the roster so I'm not redshirting because I know I can play right now. So that's basically what my mindset. Did you know – the plays – Learn to plays don't make a lot of mistakes. That was also part of my mindset. Did you know at that time, though, that you were going to play as a true freshman or that just was a goal of yours to play as a true freshman? It was both. I knew come the end of training camp, talking with Coach Solis and Coach Osborne, and then that was my goal. My my goal before I talked to anybody and before camp started, in my head, I was like, I'm a, I don't care if I got to play special – if I got to be a special team starter. If I got to be a gunner for the whole season – I'm starting at gunner or if I got to be the PAT protector or the punt protector or whatever, I'm going to start my freshman year at Nebraska to help this team win another national title. That was my mindset all the way through. Well, that is exactly what you did in 1995. Do you know how many touchdowns you scored and how many yards you ran for? I know I had over a G. I had over a thousand. I know that. I just don't know how many touchdowns. I can't remember how many touchdowns I had. Okay. So listen, you had 1,086 yards rushing. 13 touchdowns, which is still a freshman rushing record on 141 mm. carries. Okay. I Listen, when I thought about that, I said, well, wait a minute. What that meant was if you take those 1,086 yards and 13 touchdowns away, we're in trouble. <laughs> that was a you were a critical part because you got to think LP. Even though we had a great team, we had a great team, top to bottom, covered you know from right. top to bottom. We had a great team, but for you to come in and play as a true freshman, the way you did, it helped catapult us to the second championship. Because why? Mm-hmm. While while you can say for. Oh, we would have won it without LP. Yeah, you might be right, but when you're when your head honcho, when the baddest dude on the planet, the baddest dude in the in the locker room is no longer there, that's a piece of you that's taken away. The base of the team, yeah, yeah, a piece of the but, team. Uh, but 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 talk speak to speak to you. You know what I'm asking you. So speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so he wasn't really gone. Um, obviously, he couldn't be on the practice field, and I'm talking about Lawrence Phillips. He couldn't be in the meeting rooms with us. But as a player to player, like he still had school. So he had classes he had to attend. And we basically found a loophole. Basically what we did was he came to me one of my uh, during while I was walking to one of my classes on right after he got suspended and he said, A hey, G he said, I know I can't, you know, come to meetings and all that, but you know, we got classes so I gotta still do this. So let's meet up, you know, five, ten minutes a day, every day, and I'll tell you I'll give you a game plan rundown on the players that we got to face that you got to face Kansas, Kansas, um, Kansas State, um, 
uh, what other Big 12 team, you know, all the teams that we faced that season, Washington State. Um, so we would go over the game plan in between classes on mon- from Monday to, to, to basically Thursday. If it was a away game, we left on Friday. But every other day, like two or three times a week, we would meet between the buildings going to classes and sit in one of the lounges and just talk, talk football, wow. talk about Kansas State, talk about the Buffalo, talk about K-State and their defense, their linebackers, their coverages, their blitzes. Just for, just for give me, it wasn't long, it was like five, ten minutes because I had to get to class and he had to get to class. But it was real quick. But those, you know, doing that every week, for me as a freshman, that's hours for me. That's that's confidence. That's support. That's showing me that he's part of part of helping me get better, not just helping himself get better. You know, he's a teammate, and that's what I saw there. And for me, it helped out. It it, it calmed me down because obviously it'll be nervous sometimes or anxious. You know, about making plays, making mistakes. You know, knowing what's coming at me, and he took a half of that away when I knew what's coming at me. So getting that sit down with him and then I go in the meeting rooms with coach Solich and coach Osborne, we do our team meetings. Then I was just getting other information, more information. So I knew everything I needed to know when we would play against Colorado, when we played against Kansas state, we played against Kansas. I know those teams because what LP and between Frank and coach coach Osborne would uh, go or go over in meetings during that every game, every game week. Wow. You just, you just you just blew my mind with that one of mine. We're gonna take a quick break. This is Sotheim Text Line. If you wanna get in, four six four five six eight five, call or text. We're talking with Amon Green. It's Rashawn Jackson, the captain, the ticket, ninety three point seven. With Vershawn Jackson on ninety three seven the ticket and the ticketfm.com. <laughs> Show me the money. It's the captain. It's Thursday. It's cold outside. It is super cold outside, but it's hot up in this piece because we're talking to Amon Green, all pro, all Nebraska, all world, top one or three, depending on how you look at it, running back in Nebraska history. Amon, we are now, it's freshman year. Um, It's week two. Um, Uh. LP is suspended. I know yeah. he's I know he's giving you the game, which I never knew. And I thought when I look back, I'm like, dang, how amazing was that to get real life information from Lawrence Phillips? Right. You know, oh, yeah. and- it was uh it was great. It was what I needed. It helped, like I said, just like getting the information from my dad and the conversation with my brother when he assigned me the number thirty jersey. And I called my brother up, and I said, guess what? He said, uh, my brother Jerry, he said, I said, guess what? He said, what? I said, they offered me Mike Rozier's number. And I knew at that time nobody had wore his number. And he's like, are you worried about it? Are you nervous? And I'm like, heck yeah. I'm like, that guy, he, he won a Heisman. He was a good runner back. He was the greatest at that time. And, and so he's like, don't worry about it. He said, you do you. He said, you fill your own shoes. And then it just settled me down. And so Lawrence did the same thing by having these little quick meetings for the four, for the six weeks he was gone off the field, that helped me out. That just settled me down, just go play football and be the guy that they recruited me to be. So you came in, you freshman. How was practice back then in 95? What what was practice life like? Uh, 
<laughs> well, with all the rule changes now, uh, it would have been a lot of a lot of people get suspended, and uh, <laughs> you know, it was some straight up banging. I'll just say that we 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 couldn't wait, as you know, yo, that was your senior, that was your junior and senior years. Yeah. We couldn't wait till Saturday, Monday practice, Tuesday practice, Wednesday practice. I wish I could say it any other way, but it was hard, physically hard not only in the so we'd be in the meetings mentally getting taxed hitting us with the game plan run you know short yardage red zone two minute this is what we're going to do but then physically we then we get the workout on the field and then in the weight room too so we were all the drills that are like illegal now we pretty much did all that we were hitting no matter who you were very rarely did tommy not get hit hit very rarely he still got hit he was a starting quarterback he was one of the leaders um myself and I remember the first contact I got with Christian Peter, and it went it went down like this. So I get the ball, run up the middle. He gets me, boom, nice hit tackle. He tells me, you know, because Christian's Christian, he likes to trash talk a little bit. He goes, freshman, take that stuff back to high school. And I'm like, noted, gotcha, senior, junior, whatever. You know, he's a senior. I'm listening to you. I will bring. I will come harder next play. No problem. I didn't say that to him. I said that in my yeah, head. Yeah, I know you did say you know, that I'm too. Talking, I'm not talking back to a senior. I'm not talking back to a senior. But you know what? He just gave me some useful information. He just said, "Bring it harder." I said, "No problem." Speak about that though. Thank not you. back then. Not talking back to a senior. How much respect? Because that's how I was as a freshman. I remember I got hurt, and it yeah. was like, "This ain't high school, South Packer boy." And I'm like, Raymakers and all of them was on me. So I'm like, uh. Uh, dude, what is the what's wrong with these dudes? These dudes is crazy. That too, but it was respect because they done it. Like Christian was on the team. I'm looking. Remember, I told you I'm watching y'all beat up on the Hurricanes five six months earlier in Miami to win the national title, and so he's already part of that team. And so he knows the leadership. And and I get trash talking in sports. It, it comes. It's if you take it personal, that's on you. But they, you know, guys just do it. So. When he said that, all I did was took the information he gave me. Bring it harder, freshman. Take that high school stuff back. I'm like, okay. Three, four plays later, I ran through his orb tackle, picked up like 20, 15 yards. And then he didn't say nothing to me. I didn't say nothing to him. I just walked back to the huddle. But after practice, I'm walking off the field. He grabs me by the back of my shoulder pad. He say, freshman. And he's got his ice. He got a, she got an ice bag on his shoulder because he's coming out the training room. He said, hey, you busted up my shoulder. That's how you run the ball. He's like, that's how you do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, thank you, uh, Mr. P- Mr. Peters. Christian no Peter being a I big brother. Bringing. He's being a big right. brother, right? Right. I mean, I mean like, he was the epitome of a right. big brother because you, I, like I said, I've had about 14 former Huskers on since I've been. One every day, right? And sometimes two. And, and just about every story is Christian breaking in some young freshman and letting him know – you got to do better than that, young man. Yep. That's so, so let's talk about running. I was back. used to that. You, when you think about a running back, okay? Because I don't. When mm-hmm. I look at running backs, I have to compare them to the people that I saw. I have to compare mm-hmm. them to LP, who had everything. I have to compare them to Amon Green, who had everything. I have to p- compare them to a Damon Benning, who had great balance, great vision. I had to compare him to a Clinton Childs who had great, great uh, 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 power and speed. Endurance. Endurance and speed, for sure. But how ridiculous. important, and I'm just going to name these things, and you take it, you take off from where you want to. 
how important was balance, vision, patience, going into contact, finishing runs, three-step cutting to you and to being a runner? That, that, that was pretty much my goal list. That was probably what you, you mentioned, what, seven items, ten items there? <laughs> they were on, on my goal sheet that I had in my notebook. Okay, let's go through them. Balance. Uh, balance. Because you're going to get hit. It's football. Um, and you're going to get hit to where sometimes it's just a glancing hit where it doesn't really knock you down. So, you know, Coach Solis had that balance drill that I learned once I got there. But, you know, put that hand in the ground, keep your balance, keep going. You know, and don't, and don't die easy. Don't just take a little glance and hit and fall down. No, they got to tackle me. Like, people knew, you got to hit me. I'm not just going down because you put a shoulder in me. You better bring it all. If not, I'm going to run you over. I'm going to make you look bad. Or I'm going to break the tackle and I'm out running and your coach is yelling at you for not wrapping up. Vision. So, is this uh, seeing your blocks, seeing it. If you could see all your blocks, your fullbacks block to your tight ends, to the guards, how they're pulling around, how the DB is then um, reacting to that pulling guard on a power and the linebackers, are they running over top? Or are they running underneath? So you got to hold that patience just long enough to put those guys in the right position for your own linemen or your fullbacks to get the block. Going into contact. Um, lowest man win. Don't die easy, basically. I'm going I'm to try to run through your chest pretty much. Patience, that was my mindset. Patience when running. Um, depends on the situation. Um, if it's like running out the clock, if it's just being aware of your surroundings, just being high and tight with the ball, um, setting up your blocks. That's a patience. Is a little bit of all that game time situation. You know, you gotta you got to lead by a couple points and make sure you, you make sure you get tackled inbounds or you just slide, give up. You know, just having that type of awareness and patience about you, so you're not trying to hit the hole fast and not letting your blocks develop before you get to the, the point of contact. Making the first man miss. That goes back to basically running a guy over. So it's now either you run a guy over or you juke him. You give him something to think about. And once I got to the NFL, it, it got coined the phrase, making making DBs and linebackers, making them make business decisions. They're going to be like, um, I don't want to hit this dude. He hurts. So then I got, I'm in his head, so I could do what I want. I could either run him over again. Or I can give them a two-step, you know, give them a dead leg or something. But give them something to think about every time. And so, yeah, that's where that that's where that takes me. Fin- finishing runs in practice. Ooh. That means any, that's that's where the teammates find out that you love them, that this is business, not, not trying to take it personal, running you over. So <laughs> that means regardless of who's in front of me, I'm going I'm to drop my shoulder. It's nothing. It's not it, that it's Christian, Mike Mint, Ty Williams. Uh, Phil Ellis, uh, Doug, Doug Coleman. Look, they know they know it's respect. They know okay, he's getting ready for Saturday. Now, if you get mad, now when I got to the league, it was a whole different story. Guys like just to name one, Nick Barnett. He get he got a little sensitive when I trucked him in practice, and I'm like, bro, I'm get I'm getting ready for practice. I mean, I'm getting ready for Sundays. I'm, I'm this ain't about you. You want to have a little fight because I just ran. You need to, that means you need to be ready. He was a rookie. He was a first round draft pick linebacker at Oregon State, and I told him that. I said, bro, if you want to take this personal, we can act like men, handle this out at another time. But I'm in practice trying to get ready for Sunday. Now, if you want to take that personal, that's on you. I'm going to come down here uh, the same way I did last play. So be ready. And I would tell him that every time. He, it, it took him a while, but he figured it out. I blame I blame Jay Bellamy when I was at Seattle for getting me cut because on special teams, you know, I was going 150,000 miles an hour. And he kept saying – Rookie, you you going too hard. 
you need to slow down, blah, blah, no. blah, 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 blah. And I listened to that foolishness and nope. and I got uh-huh. cut. Uh, how important, when, when we talking finishing runs down the field, how many yards would you finish a run down the field in practice? I'd say in practice at the least 30, if not in the end zone. So we're at midfield. <laughs> we're, at, we're on, a, you know, Memorial Stadium field practicing on a nice day. If we're if the offensive line is at the midfield, I'm running at least to the twenty or to the ten, if not going all the way to the end zone. So between thirty and fifty yards. Why was that working important to do it in practice? Working on my endurance, you know, working on being a four quarter back because you know I, it was a four quarter game. You know, it wasn't just oh I play, you know I rotate or I play a few snaps here and there. No, I was in my head. It was like my team needs me for four quarters, and I want to make sure that I could just as the first snap I get the ball. And on my last snap in the fourth quarter that I get the ball, I'm the same. And then that makes a difference when you're dealing with defenders trying to tackle you. They don't, they don't by the fourth quarter, if you're bringing that hammer and then you're juking people, you're doing all types of stuff to make plays. They eventually, like I said, business decisions in the fourth quarter because they're tired. They don't want to deal with that. They like, this, this dude is hitting me, running me over, and it's the fourth quarter. He ain't slowed down one bit. When can he stop? And you know what? I tell him, look, I'm not stopping until the game's over. Win or lose, just letting you know that. And they'd be like, God bless America. Three step, <laughs> three, three step cuts. Three step cut. It just, I was just watching the highlight of LP on his 48 yard touchdown run in the Fiesta Bowl. And on that play, he did this three step cut drill three times. Oh. And so, that was what Coach Solich knew that we needed as running backs of the style of running we had that we were physical, but also he knew we needed an extra layer of be able to lose somebody without them touching us, juking somebody. And so obviously Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders, you know, it's, I don't think we'll ever see another running back like that in our lives to do what he did. And I watched the film on him too. That's just special. So when you can do that three-step cut, like I said, you do something, you bring something, a whole element to the game. You create space now. Because those guys, every time you drop that three-step cut, that guy is, is just sitting there doing nothing because he's watching where you're going and you're gaining yardage as you're moving. So that three-step cut, it was uh, it was probably the best tool I had in my – I learned from my toolbox at that time. Who was the hardest hitter in practice that you that, – that actually hit you? Mike Minner. Lay me out. We had Mike on too. <laughs> The, hey, hey, wait, wait. This is what I said. This is what I said. This is, what, this is Mike. This is what I said to him when I had him on the radio. I said, Mike, you the nicest, meanest guy I know, right? Yep. He, he'll yep. blow you up. That's Sheldon told the story. And help you up. Yep. Yeah, Mike, hey, man. Hey. Did he ever get a hold nice of you? Nice run, AG. He picking me up. Nice run, AG. I'm like, man, you just knocked me all out of bounds. My helmet came off, everything. Okay. Now I got you, Mike Nitt. <laughs> now, did you ever have to deal with him uh, when y'all faced Carolina? Did, yeah. Did you oh, ever? Yeah, did he ever have to tackle oh, yeah. you again? I'm, oh yeah, I had number thirty. He was number thirty-two, so it was yeah. easy to, to find him. And so he was on my radar. I didn't have to deal with him because I, I think I think the guys either wide receivers blocking downfield. Thank God. So thank God for Donald Driver and Javon Walker and Robert Ferguson blocking downfield. <laughs> When Scott, hey, listen, when Scott, he tackled, he, he tackled me once or twice, but that was, but yeah, you know, I had I had good receivers blocking downfield. I gotta thank them for that. Right. Well, when we come back, I, I'm gonna ask you about this. There's a picture that I love because it showed Amon Green being tackled by Scott Frost. 
So when we get back, we're going to talk about that <laughs> a little bit, and a little bit more. It's Rashawn Jackson, the captain, the ticket, 93.7. We're talking to Amon Green. With Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. And we're back. It's the captain, the ticket, 93.7. Candid conversation with one of the greatest running backs in Nebraska history, Amon Green, living legend. Uh, AG, you know, sometimes I forget stuff now. You know I mean? They they say we've been hit a few times. But, yes, uh, indeed. Um, we were just talking, um, and I forgot my, 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 my whole – question that I asked you before the break. That's why I do it before the break, just in case I have a brain. Right. You remember what it was? No, it's your job. Dang. <laughs> you supposed to have my back, AG. Oh, it was, uh, I, I got it. Okay, Nick, what it. is it, Sorry. Nick? How, what was it like to get tackled by Scott Frost? Oh, Scott. So no, and did he tackle um, you? I, did he I tackle you? In the house. Did he tackle um, you that, that, that one? Did he get you down? I think he, I think he got me. I mean, he got him, and maybe, I think he got me by himself, or he might have got a little help because if you see the if you see the picture, he's like right at my leg, so he's in a good tackling position. Um, he's, you know, he's a heck. You know, we already know this guy was a heck of a heck of an athlete. You know, in college and high school, you know, being his mom, dad, and Olympic athletes themselves, and he just had the genetics like myself and my parents. So he was a, he was a good athlete. So you know, obviously, he played strong safety for a couple of years in the league and. Um, learned how to, you know, he already knew how to tackle. He's a football player. So just having to tackle teammates like that the previous year, we were in the backfield together. It was just obviously, obviously different and strange. So we, how football goes. Right. So we, it's 95. We won the championship. Um, come back 96. I think we played Colorado State the first game and then the second game. Or no, we played Colorado State the third. I don't know who we played the first game. But we play Arizona State. Down Probably here, one of the toughest games I know in my career, but in yours as well. For sure. 100%. Talk about that game and what was your mindset after, right directly after that game? Um, I know right it was directly emotional. after that game, I felt I let everybody down. You know, started with my teammates and my coaches. The way I played, you know, I had a couple fumbles. Me and Scott wasn't on the same page. We had a couple pitches that weren't right, you know, that were fumbled. One almost became a safety, but they ended up scoring. They picked it up, but they scored it on a couple plays later because it was in, right on our goal line. So stuff like that, I was like, never again am I going to play like that. You know, I don't know if it was just – it was me. I was a young player developing still. And so I don't know what was in my head. I probably was more anxious and nervous, didn't realize the whole brevity of the situation. And But I learned through it. I mean, it was probably the toughest loss at that time. You know, in my college career that we took, because obviously we didn't lose my freshman year. So being part of the team that had the first loss in a couple of years, obviously that that probably bothered me more than anything because it's like I got I wanted to continue on what everybody done here before me. I got to keep that on. And right now, for me, I'm not doing that job. So I was upset. If you remember the press conference, I cried at the press conference. Yeah, I remember. I, I need that video. If somebody has that video, please send it to me. Please like 
get an email, send it to VJ, please. I know that video exists of me. I totally broke down on the mic at the press conference. I broke down because I was that disappointed in myself, and I knew I just felt disappointment from everybody else, the, the coaches, the team, my teammates, former players, the fans, because I knew what we, you know, what that game represented, what every game represented for Nebraska football. We had to go out there and win, basically. That was the mindset. So, so, so if somebody has that video, please send it to somebody. I you know get Rashawn Jackson. Please send it to him and. Please get it to me. Yeah, if you got that, listen, if you got that, <laughs> if you have the video of Amon crying during the Arizona State game, um, and I remember that because I was like, I, I was game, telling you, know? you, like, man, forget that, man, pull it together. It's just football. Right. Forget that. Right. We got so many more games to go. And I, it was a couple of us that was not playing, and then that next week we all start playing. You know what I'm saying? Because I right. was like, all right, open the floodgates for them. And everybody started playing that wasn't playing before. And we kind of turned that season around. Um, what do you remember about that season? And how did going through that season set us up for 97? Um, well, i say it was a lot going on for myself. I mean, I became – I was going to become a father later that season. So, personally, I had that going on, and I'm a sophomore in college. And now I'm one of the leaders on the team. So, that's personally what's going on. Um, we have that first loss, but now it's like, all right, to write this shit, we got to win these games. And we got to win all these games to be back in the hunt for the number one title, you know, the national title game, just things like that. And so we basically did that. And so now, you know, me, Scott, yourself, um, a few other players that were seniors and juniors or redshirt, fresh, you know, fifth year seniors were now the leaders. And we had to take on what LP, what Lawrence, what LP, Tommy Frazier, Christian Peter, uh, Phil Ellis, those guys did the previous year, Mike Minner. You know, now take now take the lead or take the baton and keep it going. So, so let's talk about toughness, and then we'll go back to '97 because I think that was that was probably I loved '97 not because I, just because it was my senior year and I was a captain and we was we was right. there when we won championships, but we got a chance to right the ship in '96. How how'd you get tough? How important was being tough to playing for Nebraska football? Uh, it was priority number one. You just had to be. It wasn't no being. You just had to be there. You just had to have a mental mindset of this is football. You're going to get hit. You're going to get tackled. You're going to fall off awkwardly. You're going you're gonna, to you know, get guys that are in your chest or you're going to get in somebody's chest. It's football. I learned that as a kid through my brothers and my dad and my stepdad. I learned that then. So when, by the time I got to Lincoln, it was just like, oh, man, I'm around a whole bunch of other people that think like me. Like, okay, we hitting in practice. Oh, let's get it. We it, There's no question that we're not hitting. That's the, that's like where in other places you're like, oh, we're hitting? Oh, we're, is this is a tag off? Or no, it's no question at Nebraska. It was full-on contact during the practice day. So we knew how, you know, we knew come game time what we had to do physically to get ready to play. So. It was, it was just kind of there. It wasn't something you had to think about or ask the coach. Hey, coach, is this full contact? No. You know in meetings, yeah, it's going to be full contact. When you get out of the field, just strap it on. Strap your helmet on be ready to go. So, and I know – I hate to cut it short, but I, I got I to gotta run. So, we got one more quick question I can answer. Well, okay. Then, uh, so, 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 yeah. so let's, 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 let's bring it all together. Okay. If – when you compare – and we can't compare – the state of Nebraska football now, what do we need to do to get back to where 
we used to be or at least get back to where we're winning more games than we're losing? Yeah, a big question there. Um, Million-dollar question there for, for every <laughs> fan, every player, every coach on that coaching staff. There's been some changes here in the last month, obviously, to the coaching staff. But it's going to take everybody. I mean, everybody in the state of Nebraska for this to happen. Because what I remember then when I was there, it was everybody that took it for us to be where we were at. Not just when I say everybody, I mean everybody in that locker room. So every player that's currently on this, on that roster, every player in that locker room, every coach that's coaching, every subordinate or administrator, the Dennis LeBlanc, Keith Zimmer, um, that's still there, uh, the equipment managers, those people, the fans in the stands, coaches, high school coaches locally, high school kids. Obviously, the culture is different to where kids right now in high school, in Nebraska high school, don't matter what division or what class, class A down to class D2, they, they're really, their first pick is not Lincoln. And that's just the bold truth right now because of what's going, what, how the years have went. So that if you just be honest with yourself now, you know that. So as a player coming in, I told this to the class, first class of Scott's regime when he, when he first got hired was you guys are going to be the guys to set the foundation for the next 10, fit five to 10 years, because you going you guys got to go through the grind. You got to get your butts kicked. You're going to lose games that you should have won. You got to deal with that, but you're building up a foundation. That's going to then eventually be, this is how we practice. We practice hundred percent. We practice mistake free. And if we make mistakes, we go over them and we correct them because come Saturday or Thursday night or whenever our games are played, we play almost perfect because that's what's going to take to win a championship to get back to that level. And that stuff is going to take time. That's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen the year after that. It's going to happen five. It's going to take time. It's going to take another five or so years, if not sooner. And if it can accelerate, then great. But that's the mindset. And that's, you got to know it's going to be a drawn out plan. It's not going to be something that happened instantly. It's a, it's a pro it's a process of developing character players that come through those doors in Lincoln, Nebraska, to understand this is what we're here to do. We're here to win national titles. We're not just here to win um, Big 12 championships. That's part of it, but we want national titles here, and it's going to take this. And then and letting the players know that up front. This is what it's going to take. And then understanding, get to know the players too, get to know who they are, who their mom, their dad is, who their families are, to understand that this is a not just the 11 players on offense and defense and the special team players. This is everybody in that state of Nebraska has got to come together and support Scott and that coaching staff to be a, to know where we want to get back to, because trust me, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm holding it strong. I'm letting people know I'm go. I'm, I'm the real big red. People are like, oh man, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, we got six now on side. So what about y'all Badgers? Y'all don't. <laughs> so don't be talking trash to me. I'm holding it down. I've been holding it down for 22 years in in, in Green in De Pere, Wisconsin, saying I'm a big red, the real big red, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Just let you know. And I and I drop. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.